Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Sterling is in something of a purple patch. The pound has been established around $1.25 for around a month, a level it last held regularly back in December. Expectations for higher UK inflation have provided one of the main bulwarks for its support. So why, when the UK's headline inflation missed expectations this week, was sterling's downturn to under 124 against the dollar so short-lived? I'm Michael Hunter and this is Hard Currency, the FT's weekly tour of the world's biggest single market. Joining me to have a look at the pound's puzzling purple patch is Kuhn Chow, FX and macroeconomics strategist at UBP. Kuhn, thank you for joining us. What did you make of Wednesday's short-lived wobble? I think it's telling us that people have digested a lot of bad news into the pound and are struggling to come up with new reasons to push it lower. I think, as you said, it's enjoyed a bit of a purple patch because of expectations of higher inflation in the UK, pushing the Bank of England to take a more hawkish stance. I think that's definitely been something that's given the pound a lift. But another thing that I think that's given the pound a lift is it's cheap levels. You can look at the pound at so many different metrics and it looks cheap. Now, the FX market can often be very complicated, but this is just a straight valuation play, do you think, on the pound at the moment? I I think so. When you look at different asset prices, UK looks cheap. Certainly, I'm talking to different equity experts and uh, portfolio managers, they talk about how within the UK, if you strip out the exporters, the equities of uh, non-exporters look cheap. And as a very basic, you look at the level of the exchange rate itself at very, very low levels compared to other currencies. How seriously do you take the idea that we've been picking up that since Parliament's vote approving Brexit and the High Court and the Supreme Court ruling against the government's all blown over, that that uncertainty that was hanging over the pound has now lifted and we're seeing trading around a clearer outlook at least over a two-year horizon before we actually trigger Article 50 and start the divorce proceedings from the EU. I think that's really important, that there is a there's some checks and balances on the process and that means that whatever we get presented with in the future, if it looks like a very bad deal, then it could be reined in or possibly trigger early elections or probably trigger elections which could even with a low probability lead to another referendum. So So what would happen then if we got that kind of extra level of uncertainty? Do you think that these kind of levels we're looking at now under those circumstances would be significantly challenged? I think from these levels additional uncertainty I think could have an asymmetric impact if it's additional uncertainty where you feel that it could lead to more negative 
developments on the economy. It could pull down the pound a bit, but if it's additional uncertainty making people think, well, maybe we don't go to Brexit, or maybe we even get a good deal, in which case you could get the pound rallying significantly. So asymmetry, down a little bit, but up potentially a lot. But we have this kind of purple patch for now. Those factors that you mentioned are in the medium term compared with some of the recent drivers we've had. Is there anything that makes you uncomfortable about durations in all of this, in terms of those levels we're around now? How long can sterling hold it if there is some form of uncertainty or other to follow? Yeah, that's a great point because currencies don't stand still. They do not range trade, they trend, and they go for a very, very long time. So I think, you know, honestly, I think if we go through another bit of negative macro data and inflation remains soggy, then we probably go a bit lower because that's been the trend, sterling lower. But I think from a multi-year perspective, I think the pound could be a, a buy. And you think perhaps I get a sense that you, you may be expecting a little bit less short-term volatility around these data points, such as the inflation readings we saw today. Uh, the pound's recovery around that was obviously pretty notable. There was a decent move on the day, about 0.5% in the immediate wake of the data, and then it got back into that range again. Is that something you think we should get used to seeing? I think it, we should because the bigger show is less the political developments in the UK, but more more what's going on in the US, where, you know, where we're looking at things that we didn't think were possible in the realm of US politics, and we don't know where that takes us in terms of economic policy. So I think we've got bigger things outside which are causing bigger movements in global markets, and the pound's getting bobbed along with that, okay. and it eclipses local stories. And of course, one of the big themes out there in the global markets that's affecting everybody is the reflation trade, Trumponomics, growth expectations for America rebounding sharply amid expectations for fiscal stimulus and tax cuts in the US, as you were referring to there. What's going on with the big reflation trade? I think people have put on the big reflation trade, long equity, short bonds, But I think those positions are already quite stretched and it's really pushed valuations on those kind of trades to uh, quite extreme levels. So I think people are going to be looking for the next generation of trades, trades which could make money if inflation does go up a bit more and uh, would lose very little if inflation stabilises here. So one thing I've been thinking about in, in currency space is let's be a little bit more savvy about these reflation trades and let's think about countries which... Being long the currencies of countries of which don't need capital inflows and being short the currencies of countries that need a lot of capital inflows because in an environment of high yields, countries would become account deficits hurt. So where's the split? So, for example, a good one would be Australian dollar being long that versus South African rand. So we know that Australia is a big commodity producer, as is South Africa. So higher inflation should be neutral for both, but... I think this is important. South Africa runs a big current account deficit. The Australian current account deficit is smaller, which means that it needs less inflows. It doesn't need a continuous amount of bond inflows that South Africa does. So here's a theme which we've seen a lot of on the markets pages of FT.com and in print. The feeling that these great correlation trades that we've seen since these political upheavals of Brexit and the Trump victory have run the kind of headline course and now it's becoming more and more important to look under the bonnet to get a sense of the nuance and the individual differentiators underneath all of these overall trends. 
do you expect as a macro and FX strategist to be spending a lot of 2017 drawing those kind of distinctions? Absolutely. We've had these big headline swings based on, of course, the big political shifts. But at the same time, you know, we really got to think about what is it plausibly like, uh, is it plausibly going to lead to in terms of economic developments and what do those economic developments actually lead to in terms of currency moves? And so how selective are you when you're choosing the indicators which you'll use in that process? What, what is it that you're looking for at UBP? I think the guts of FX for me, the guts of FX is relative productivity differentials how well is one country growing the quality of growth of one country versus another i think we've had a period where it's been big swings driven by political shifts driven by swings in commodity prices but we go i think we're going to go back to the basics of which country is able to grow faster on a sustainable basis which is why people have become excited about the dollar because they're thinking okay maybe trump does lead uh, u.s growth to grow faster however i think people are starting to recognize that actually what's important is not temporary growth but more sustainable growth and i think that's why people have started to think well maybe we've got a bit too excited about the dollar and there's politics in all of this of course are you expecting to have to spend a large amount of your time checking Donald Trump's Twitter feed. It's funny, but I think myself and a bulk of other market participants now have an alert onto our phone. So I think you get people's phones buzzing across the trading floors and it's not because their better half is asking for something, but it's because Donald Trump may have dropped something that we need to react to. Such are the times we are living in. And Perhaps on a slightly more serious level, the political calendar is still the challenge. Okay, we, we have a bit more clarity on what's happening in the US there. The European political calendar is festooned with potential problems. We have Dutch elections looming. There's other bits and pieces here and there without going into too much detail about those. I think perhaps we should look briefly toward the French elections, the impact that the uncertainty there may have on the euro are you comfortable with what's happening around that? What are your worries? Where do you not have worry? I'm very nervous about the euro. Nervous because the political events of last year have told us that the market is very bad at predicting and pricing in political risks, bad at being prepared ahead of those political risks as well. And we're heading into a period where the leading contender, well, we thought he was a leading contender in the French elections. Fion. is going to is uh, you know has dark clouds hanging over him, and the question is, you know how uh, how do we position for this? Should we position for this? And is the market appropriately uh, cautious? I don't think it is because if we look at the lessons of how markets traded into and after Brexit, into and after the US elections, there's so many telltale signs of what would have been sensible 2020 hindsight, yet it's not being played out in markets related to the French elections. So for example, you look at European you look at French equity markets and exporters in the French equity markets have done a little bit better than the others, but not massively. Yet we know from our experience with Brexit, what did well? It was the big caps versus the mid caps. You haven't had that clear distinction yet in France. In the French market, so I think there's a little bit of complacency. There's a little bit of hope that we don't get another shocker. Okay. 
and I'll be planning to keep watch on. Um, just to come round in a circle, perhaps in some ways the pound's peculiar purple patch has been there because the UK's a little bit ahead of some of these events. The UK's uncertainty is a little bit perhaps more particular than the general uncertainty that we're seeing in the euro, that we're seeing in other parts of the world. Do you think that that might be helping the pound? I think we've got a pushback against, we have had and we're continuing to see a pushback against globalisation. And if the pushback leads to a change in economic policy, but with relatively, well, sensible hands driving the change in economic policy, then it's not too bad. I'm, of course, trying to describe the UK situation. But if that pushback leads to an extreme shift in politics and an extreme unknown in terms of who drives policy, i.e. Trump, then it can be bad. And that's the thing that I'm a little bit worried about for the French elections. We're not looking at globalisation leading to policymakers closing off the French economy, but policymakers who are broadly market-friendly. We're looking at potentially a real unknown, Le Pen. Plenty much more to watch for in the currencies market and beyond. Of course, you can keep up with all of that at ft.com forward slash markets and at FastFT. That's it, though, for this week from Hard Currency. Our thanks, of course, to Kun Chow, FX and macroeconomic strategist at UBP. Thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.